wearing purple tights and a, and a purple undershirt. It seems like a good idea at the time. But you don't think that that picture is going to appear right before you walk up to preach <laughs> the profound truths of the universe. So I'm not going to do that today. I'm just going to pray and go. Uh, now let's, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day that is made beautiful not only by your creation around us, but by the sweet aroma of the presence of your Spirit here among us. And Lord, I ask that as we come together, as we gather here in this place, that your Spirit would speak to each one of us in the place of our need, in the place of our struggles. Give us direction, give us clarity, give us wisdom and truth, and let everything else pass away. In Jesus' name, amen. The world. We've been a lot of places the last four weeks. We talked about the fact, we talked about people. That's where we started. People matter to God and they should matter to us. Let me say that again because it just sounds like a nice thing to say, but think about that. People matter to God and therefore people should matter to those who follow after God. We talked about how God communicates that. Mercy, the love language of God, the way that God speaks, and we're going to look at more of that today, is He speaks through mercy, through compassion. That's how He speaks to a, a, a hurting and, and struggling and dying world. Last week we talked about the church and how that fits into the whole thing. And God said, you know, I didn't just make you a bunch of individual people running around with this loose connection that you kind of come together uh, every once in a while and, and, and meet and, and talk a little bit and then you, you go and live your, your lives of, of isolation. He said, no, no, no. He said, I've given you a community. See, I'm a communal God. And I've given you more than just uh, uh, yourself. It's kind of like the little girl that or she came in in the middle of a thunderstorm and, thunderstorm and said, mommy, mommy, I want to sleep with you. And, and her mom said, well, you know, of course, the reason she was saying this is because she was exhausted and knew that she wouldn't get a good night's sleep if her daughter was poking her with her elbow all night. So, but she said this beautiful thing, right? She said, but honey, you know that Jesus is with you all the time, even more than I can ever be. And she said, yeah, but mommy, Jesus doesn't have skin on. Well, God said, yeah, I understand that. I understand that. And so I've given you the community that is the church to be the light to this world, to be the hand of my mercy to these people that matter to me. They matter to me, so I've given them you, and I've given you the church. And that's where we've been, but what I want to talk today about is this idea of the world. He says, go into the world. You are the light of the world, we talked about last week. He says, go into that world and be my witnesses. Make disciples. Go into that world and reach it for me. You know, I was watching that video, and I was thinking... You know, I woke up this morning uh, before Didi and the kids, and I came over here with Delaney and, and Ray, uh, Raina, and uh, we got dressed and we had our breakfast and we came over here and then Didi and Rachel came after us. And, and everybody in here has a story this morning in your world of how you got here and what you were doing just a few, a few hours ago. And everybody in the city has a story right now. It's happening right now. Their story in their world. And many of them, it has nothing, nothing to do with this. They are living in their world, and there is no God within it. 
and maybe they just woke up and they're reading the paper. They're, they're doing their routine they do on Sundays. It's their, their day that they get to relax. They're having a cup of coffee. Maybe they're going to go out in the boat today or, or maybe they're going paint to the, paint the living room or whatever it is they're going to do. That there's something happening in these worlds. And, and I was watching this video and I thought, uh, you know, that, that church, those kids that you saw dancing around in, in, in Honduras, uh, we were there just a few months ago. And... Um, that story, that their world is happening right now. You and I are sitting here, and right now, across the ocean, well, you could get there by land, but to me, it's across the ocean. Right now, um, they've been up for a while. I'll tell you, they all get up at sunrise because that's when it uh, gets bright and that's when it gets hot. And uh, they get up and they have chores that you and I don't have, right? You know, they have things that they do with chickens, and they have a way that they have to get their water and use the bathroom and clean up and go to work, or whatever it is they're, they're doing right now. They're doing it right now, somewhere else in the world. Right now, billions of people are asleep. Somebody's getting married right now, just as I say that, and somebody just died. Somebody's being mugged. Somebody's at a party and they're having a little too much to drink. All over the world right now, stories are happening in people's individual worlds. So we need to understand what is the world and how do we reach it? How do we reach into our own world? Just that little world. How do we reach into the world that is this local community that God has put, has put Rio in? And how do we reach into the world across beyond our borders, into their lives? Do we help them reach into their own world? We're going to see some of that when we look at the youth ministry and their, their trip to Malaysia and Singapore this year. But what is the world? Psalm 24, verse 1a says, the, Lord, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Now, you may think he's just repeating himself, but he says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The earth is the thing you see on the Discovery Channel, okay? It's the, it's the thing that revolves around the sun, and it is God's because he made it. I made it and it's mine, okay? It is his possession by virtue of his creative activity, the earth. But then he goes on to say something else, different word, the world and all who live in it. Very simply, the world is God's, right? It's, it belongs to him, but it's not just a possession by virtue of his creation. The world is more than that. The world is every living, moving, breathing thing in on that earth and everything that is happening to it all the time and has since the beginning of the world. The world is God's cosmic drama. You and I are part of that world. We have little stories, little dramas going on in each of our lives. Some of them are joyous right now. Some of them are, are difficult. Some of them are confused. Some of them are just sort of plugging along. But we all have these stories, but they're all part of God's world. The world in which we live, move, breathe, work, play. It's God's. It's God's world. And, and it's His not just because He made it and He owns it. It's His because He is the king over it. Last week, <clears throat> Tom said that we were a royal priesthood as the church. A holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people for God's own possession, that we could proclaim the excellencies of him who has called us out of darkness and into his glorious light. Well, he called us a royal priesthood. Well, it's because he is royalty, and we 
are his voice to that world. That's what a priest is. It's a mediator between God and man. That's why Jesus is our high priest. And so God not only owns this world by virtue of his creative activity, but he's the sovereign king over it. And he, he sovereignly controls all of its activity. He writes this story and is writing it all the time, all over the world, for every single person that comes into it and goes out of it. He doesn't forget any of them. He doesn't forget the baby that will be born in Darfur this morning and die this afternoon. He doesn't forget any of those things that you, don't, you and I don't understand. I don't understand it. I'm not saying that I'm really glad to find out that God is writing the story that includes all these difficult things. But I am saying that it is God's story. It's inescapable. It's His story. So what else is the world? This is an interesting thing. I'm, I'm going to skip through a whole bunch of history here, but let me read you a verse that you have, many of you have heard a thousand times. Maybe some of you haven't. What is the world to God? Well, yeah, it's his possession because he made it. And yeah, we are his subjects because he's the king. But, but, at the most climactic moment in history for Christians, how did God define his world? What did he say about it? What were his intentions toward it? Early in the book of John, Jesus says these words to a religious leader. He says, God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would never die but have eternal life. It gets better. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn it, but to save the world through Him. What are God's intentions toward this world? God so loved it. What are we to Him? We are. This world, all of this activity, those people in Honduras right now, the baby who was born this morning and will die this afternoon, all of those stories that are happening right now are the objects of God's affection. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever would believe in Him would not die. What are His intentions toward the object of His, of his affection? That we would not die. That we would not suffer. That we would not be born this morning and die this afternoon. That we would not have our relationships ripped apart, that we would not struggle, that we would not spin, in the wheel, spin our wheels in the dirt of our own sinfulness and unwillingness to change. God's intention for this earth, when He says, I want to reach it, it means I want to save it. It's part of my story. So I sent my son, in effect, myself, decisively revealed as a human being into this world to save it. So that this world would live forever because that is why I created it. To live forever with me in perfect fellowship. That's the world. And that is God's intention toward it. And this is the way that he spoke to this world. He sent this guy, Jesus. Now, you know, the Bible says a lot of things. We could go on, we could talk about all kinds of things about what we're supposed to do and not to. There's a lot of, of instructions and wisdom and principles and rules and all those things that, 
that, that we, we talk about all the time, and Tom preaches about it, and we talk about it in our community groups, how we should live every day, practically speaking. But what I want to do in the context of this series, is, and in the context of the idea of serving, is I want to talk about how God served you. You. I want, to, I want to talk about his plan, because what Jesus says is, God says he sent Jesus, and then Jesus says, do what I do, right? You want to know how to do it? You want to know how to do life? Do it like me. So the first thing we see is that Jesus had a specific mission for his life. He was sent for something very special and specific. How did God reach out to the world, uh, this object of his affection? Well, he came to be with us. And, and, and this is, there's no slide. Well, there's one slide. Emmanuel, God with us. When when uh, the angels are explaining to Joseph who this baby would be inside of Mary's womb, they give him a name and they say, tell them Emmanuel is coming. And his name means God with us. That's God's plan and that's Christ's mission. God is with us. He's not the king on the throne out there who's, who's looking down through the list of all of his Delegates that he has put between you and me to make sure that everything's okay way down here. He came here among us. And what did he become? He just became a guy. And we talk about he was a humble carpenter. There's this comedian. He says, do we know if Jesus was a good carpenter? You know, it doesn't really you know, say anything about that. It's like, I'm the, son of, I'm the son of God. Come to save you from your sins. Yeah, but right now you're building a shed. You know, did that conversation ever happen? You know, with Jesus. He was a carpenter. People hired him. Did you ever think about that? He was a carpenter that people hired to build things and do things. Wouldn't you love to see some of the things that he built as a regular guy for 30 years? God with us. God is speaking to us as he puts Jesus on the earth as a regular guy. So when, what does he do? This regular guy who's on this mission, right, to save the world from death, he goes out and what does he do? Matthew 4. What I want to do here is I want to walk through the life of Christ. And I chose the book of Matthew because Matthew was written to a group of people who were totally oppressed by religion. Matthew was, was explaining the life of Jesus in the context of people that had been beaten down by the rules and regulations of what had become an empty, meaningless, ceremonial religion to them. So in the midst of that, he says, well, here's who Jesus was. So the first thing Jesus does, Matthew 4, he says... Uh, Matthew 4, 18 to 20, he says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. What does Jesus say? He says, Come follow me, Jesus, uh, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. So the first guys that he calls out, he calls them to join him in his mission. And what is his mission? It's to be fishers of men. It's to catch men. Well, but for what purpose? And how? Well, that purpose that we're going to get to is our purpose. That purpose is what the world means to you and me. So what I want you to do right now is just listen to me and meditate on the nature and the character of this man, Jesus and the way he moved through his life on this mission. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. 
And later on, he said, are you the one, uh, he was asked, are you the one who was, uh, who was to come? Or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John the Baptist, which he was talking about, what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Think about that. Did you hear that? What's the sign that the Messiah has come? Sick people are made well. And the gospel, the good news, the story of Jesus and his salvation is being preached to the poor. The nature and character of Christ. Then there's this moment when Jesus has just been dealing with a lot of these religious leaders that are angry with him. Because he's just preached... uh, what we call the Sermon on the Mount. He's just preached this sermon where he, he says, you've heard it said this and I say that. And, and, and it's always that you've heard it said and he gives the rules that they were following in that day. And he says, but I say this. He, you've heard it said, uh, do not commit adultery, right? And they had very specific rules for what that meant. And if you can guess, maybe some of those rules created a little bit of latitude to uh, you know, push the outer edge of the envelope, right? So he said this, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery, but I say to you, if you look on a woman with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. So what he said was, forget about the rule, let's talk about the heart of God. Let's talk about what life means. See what he's doing here? He's distinguishing between life and death. Death is empty rules that allow you to continue to do that which is destructive to yourself and others. Let me tell you what life is. Life is fellowship with God and His wisdom. And here's what it is. And so he had just laid that out. And there was these crowds gathered around him. And, and, um, and here's what he said to him. He said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, was he telling them that it's easy to follow him? No. But what he was saying was all these rules and these things that have shackled you like an ox with a big yoke on your back that direct you to do things that you're doing for some other master, that's not what this is about. He says, this is about me. This is about a relationship with your father. And at that same time, it says that Jesus looked out at all the crowds that were following. And by now, there were many, 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 many people. We get the idea it was hundreds or thousands of people would follow him almost wherever he went. And it says he looked out on those people and he had compassion on them because they looked like sheep without a shepherd. Walking around helpless and oppressed. Jesus, the man that that we followed when we said, come into my heart, save me from my sins. This was the nature and the life of Jesus. Now, why do I tell you all this? Okay, we know this about him. But what I want to say is what Jesus unfolded, not only with his words, but with his life, was our mission as Christians. Our mission is the world. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus gives a summary statement, what we call the Great Commission, where he charges these people that have been following him. And by the way, remember how far they followed him, okay? These people 
followed him through his earthly ministry, and then they followed him to the cross, and they saw him die, which is where the story would have ended if it had been any of, any of, of hundreds or thousands of other people who claimed to be God in that day. They followed him to the foot of that cross, and then they kind of walked away discouraged until the third day when something miraculous happened, and that was when Christ conquered the grave. And he made all that stuff that he had said before, which would be crazy. He made it the most important thing that things that had ever been told. And so to these people that had followed him through life and through death and back to life again, he gave them their mission. He said, all right, if you're going to follow me, here's the deal. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. Here's the thing. Whatever you do in this life, what we're trying to say is, this is our mission. To go into the world and be the witnesses to the one who came here because he loved it so much that he gave his life so that everyone who would believe in him would have eternal life, would live forever. This is our mission. This is not something that some of us are called to. There are some of us who are called uh, to, with the, given the gift of evangelism, which means that maybe we have the big gift, the ability to get up in front of lots of people or, 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 or minister to lots of people at one time or those types of things. But, but we are all called to this mission to care about this world that matters to God, to walk through our lives the way Jesus walked through his. You see what he was doing? He was leaving you a story to follow. He was leaving you a path to follow. A path of mercy, a path of compassion. Certainly not a path where he didn't tell the truth. Certainly not a path where he didn't identify sin for what it was. He said, and he warned him, he said, you know what, the world will hate you because of me. He didn't say the world will hate you because, uh, uh, because of, of the way you are and your personality and, and who you follow and, and who you vote for and all these kinds of things. He said, no, 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 the offense will be me. And that should be the only offense. They don't follow, if they don't follow me, they won't want to follow you. But he says, this is your mission, to go into the world and to be, be my witness. So, that's what we're all about. That's what the world is. The world is the object of God's affection. And you and I are a part of that world, and we're called to go into it as a church, to be the light to that world, and as individuals, to be the light in the world that God has given us. It is, it's the reason we live and die. You know, you have a lot of things going on in your life. You have a job, a career that you're trying to excel at and do well in and provide for your family for. You've got kids you're trying to take care of. That seems like a life mission. You've got all these things that feel like life missions. And that's all true, but every one of them needs to be folded into, coordinated with, synchronized with this idea that God cares about the world in which you live and has put you there to change it, to bring it from death to life where need be, to celebrate truth when it's there. God's put you there. So I want to make this real practical for you. This amazing banner, which by the way, I don't know if she's here, but Jenny Orcutt has been making these banners and um, unbelievable, just beautiful. Because basically what I do is I say, here's what we're teaching on, and then she comes up with the idea. Well, this week we're talking about the world, and I want, I want you to see here on this banner there are three circles. 
You got this tight circle here. You got this one and this one. My world. This is the world that you live in every day. It's the world you spend most of your time in. And guess what? All those people, none of those people in your world are functionaries that you have nothing to do with other than whatever service they provide or service you provide them. The message that Jesus said, that, that, that Jesus taught us was that no one in your life is just a functionary, that every one of them matter to him. Now that doesn't mean that you can have uh, some specific um, ministry of adopting every single person that ever comes in your life, but it means that everyone that comes in front of your path, like Tom talked about with the Good Samaritan, matters to God. And should therefore be approached, handled, seen differently by you than by someone who isn't a follower of Christ. That's the world you live in. It's the world you spend most of your time in. If you want to know how churches grow healthy, if you want to know how churches have added to their number every day, those who are being saved, it happens when everybody in that church is on a mission in their own world. There is no program. We could not have, we could, there is nothing we could do as a church. There's no program we could create. There's no event we could have that would see for the rest of the existence of this church people coming to Christ every day. There's only one way that can happen, and that's if it's happening through our relationships in our world, in our community. So there's a sense in which it's the most prevalent and relevant world that you need to minister in. It's that world you live in every day. The second, the second circle, that's the world that God has put Real Vista Community Church in. We are the, you are the church, you are the light to the world in which you live every day, and many of them, that you're the only church they'll ever know. Whatever they think of you, they will think of Jesus. Whatever they think of you, they will think of the church. Whatever stereotypes they hold about the church that are wrong, if you're different, those will be corrected. Whatever good things they think about the church or the way it should be, if you're the opposite, you will redefine Jesus for them by the way you live your life. Well, the same is true of Real Vista Community Church. You know why we do things like spending money to change signs and have good bagels instead of day-old ones and powdered lemonade and all that stuff? Because you know what? People matter to God and they should matter to us. And when you come to this church, we're representatives of this God who came to die for us. That's why we do all this stuff, because we're on a mission to communicate to the world the nature and character of Christ. And we cannot do anything as a church in our local community that demonstrates we just don't care. We're better than you. Could you imagine a church telling a community we're better than you? When the God of the universe said the Son of Man came not to be served, message could have come to be served, deserved to be served, Came, came to earth not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for you and me, but we're better than them. Could you imagine? So, of course, we don't want to make a negative example and we don't want to just not care, but we also want to reach out into our local world, and that's what children's ministry is all about. It's about us ministering in our world. Youth ministry, that's what it's about. Bible studies, all those activities that we do throughout the week. Here's how we measure whether we should do those or not. Do they effectively have the purpose and function? Are they efficient at reaching into our world? Are we publicizing them properly to do that? Are the studies prepared properly to do that? Are we supporting them with the resources they need to do that? And the, and the answer is always partly yes, partly no, because we're always growing, we're always improving. But that's why we do everything we do, is to reach into our local community. 
when we support Shepherd's Way and, and, and some of the other ministries you've seen throughout this campaign, that is Rio Vista's presence in our world. And you're going to see a lot more opportunities for you to find that personal ministry vision in our world in the weeks and months to come. And then the last circle you see is that big one. You know, sometimes when I was a youth pastor, we used to go on mission trips every summer. And one thing that would always come up was, well, there's so many needs here. Well, why do we need to go over there? Why do we need to take all this time and all this money to go over there? Well, Jerusalem, that's like your little world. It's where you work, live, and play. Judea and Samaria, that's like uh, your, your local region, right? And even to the remotest parts of the earth. That's why we go. That's why we have a responsibility. Now, we're not, Rio Vista is not the church with a capital C. We're a little church. It's part of the big church. So we partner and we communicate and we work with other people. And our goal is to take, to transmit this vision and this philosophy to other places in the world so that they can duplicate themselves there. But that's why we go into the world. That's why we go over there. This world is changing. You know that. I can't even imagine how many text messages have been sent in the last 10 minutes. Millions, billions. The way that we can communicate, the way that we can cross culture, the way that we can share culture, the way that we can solve problems or create them in an instant all over the world requires that we, the church, be on the leading edge, be waiting for those, for those stories of brokenness so that when they happen, people can see the difference between darkness and light. Not be the church that's always chasing them. My world, our world, the world. What we're going to be asking you to do next week is to find your thing and do your thing in, in at least one of these worlds. Maybe you already know what it is. Maybe you think you do, but you need to clarify it more. You need to do it better. You need to define it better. You need to put it in that context of growing in your relationship with Christ by serving others and being like Christ. Maybe it needs to become missional, whatever that thing is that you think is your thing. But that's what we're going to be asking you to do. And what I'm going to show you, uh, what we're going to watch right now is, the, uh, is uh, a video from the trip that the youth ministry took to... Uh, Singapore and Malaysia this year. And uh, you're going to see reflected in that three worlds. And I want you to look for them while you watch the video, okay? There's my world happening in there, okay? There's people sitting there that are going to take things back to their world. There's kids that went over there, and it was in their world that they came to this passionate desire to share their faith. You're going to see our world happening. We sent them there. We had a, we had a ministry to students in our local community, and because that ministry existed, people were drawn to it that eventually went into the world beyond our borders. That's what we do. It's, it's why we do everything we do. So take a look. <laughs> 